You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. We are now live. I do apologize for the delay there trying to get this stuff set up. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley. Joey Powell could not make it, but fortunately, the heavy lifting for this podcast will be done by my two awesome guests, Sean Moran and Trail McMillan, as always. Guys, it's the offseason, but that does not stop the recruiting news, definitely. Almost forgot. Let me get in the quick plug for Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, our amazing sponsors. Remember, you do get 10% off of Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com with your Inside Carolina Premium Membership. Let's just jump right into this one, guys. There may not be too, too much to talk to, uh, but there was some recruiting news coming out of the weekend. So we'll definitely hit on that. Did want to ask you both a question, though. This is the first podcast that we've had since the NBA draft. I know not really a key draft for Tar Heel fans, but for Charlotte Hornet fans, maybe. Uh, do you guys want to spend a quick, I don't know, maybe five minutes here just talking about the the past draft? Or do you guys have any burning hot takes that you wanted to, to get off your chest about that? Who wants okay, to go first? Go ahead, Sean. You're smiling. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, come on, Sean. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm unfortunately a Washington Wizards fan. So, um, you know, they're going to – they decided to tank uh, one year after. Probably they they should have. But, man, if I I was Charlotte, I would have gone to Scoot Henderson um, and played him with with LaMelo. And in terms of Charlotte, Leaky Black signing the two-way contract, I think is fantastic for him. Uh, We've obviously – or myself have had kind of a a love-hate – relationship with him over the you know five years of him being at unc plus all the years we we covered him but great to see him you know get a pretty significant contract out of school um obviously that will be determined by how many days he does spend in the nba versus g league but i think it'll be really interesting to see i think he fits a uh, you know the prototype of the three and d wing that everybody loves and if he can improve that shooting you know, we've, we've seen a lot of guys go from college that have not shot the ball well and they work on it in the NBA. And it'll be interesting just to see if the, the shooting coaches or the trainers at that level uh, can work on a shot and make him more of an offensive threat because uh, obviously the defense is there and, and the guy who went number two, he was able to <laughs> lock down at the beginning of the year. So it'll be interesting to track, um, you know, him through the season as well as his career. Uh, but I think, you know, obviously a good, landing spot and a really good financial um, opportunity right out of school. And the, the one, one last thing on, on him, 
I think the first time I saw him was at Adidas Nations back when he was going into his junior year and he was one of the young guys and he was getting, you know, worked by Trayvon Duvall at the time. And, you know, Trayvon Duvall, I don't even know if he's still playing overseas or if he's, if he's playing. So once again, everybody takes their own path, but you know, here he is all these years later and, and probably ahead of a guy like Duvall and, and others um, at this point in time. So we'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Well, I am curious how much trash talk there is going to be between Miller and Leakey. I mean, what do you think, Sean? Do you think uh, knowing Leakey's personality, uh, and I'm asking this to Rel too, but uh, do you think there may be a little bit of some uh, uh, sportsmanship going on, we'll say? <laughs> I'm sure a little bit at, at the beginning, but um, I think Miller probably expanded his game a lot since that uh, that November November night. and. Once you know these two guys are coming at it uh, very differently from a, a number two pick to a, a two way, so uh, you know. But I, I think Leaky will be able to give him trouble in, in training camp. All right, Rel, let's get your your quick thoughts. Um, just start wherever, man. You want to talk Leaky, Miller, Hornets, uh, take it wherever you want to go. Yeah, I was gonna say the first thing is kind of Leaky Black gets like the last laugh because he's been a lightning rod of praise and criticism for the UNC fan base, not just for his five years at Carolina, which, you know, how many people will ever get to play five years at the school? So that makes him unique as it is. Um, but even before, um, you know, when he committed, he committed uh, the January of his sophomore season. So he's been kind of in the Carolina sphere for not quite eight years. And, <laughs> you know, that's a really, really long time. And from the beginning, there have been kind of people who are, you know, detractors of his game. And I would say for some of it, rightfully so. But in the end, you know, he's got a degree from a great school. He started for four years, played for five, uh, played in a Final Four, was in two of the, you know, five biggest non-championship wins in Carolina history, and is now, you know, going to be on an NBA two-way contract and probably will make enough money to at least, uh, you know, get a good head start on life if he does nothing else. So I would say his basketball career at this point has already been a success. Uh, for someone who was ranked in, I think, ended up being ranked in the 80s, you know, you can't ask really for much more. So, uh, yeah. you know, just just happy for him. He's, he's come a long way, and now he has an opportunity to really uh, change the life of his family forever and, uh, you know, generational wealth, that kind of thing. He has that opportunity if he can mm -hmm. make it an NBA. So all you want is a chance. So that's one thing. And the other is just I know this is going to sound old school, but just how much, you know, potential talent in college went into the NBA draft and didn't get drafted. Um, yep. I know some guys tire of being in college. They get tired of going to class. I thought NIL would help a little bit, and, and it probably has. But when you see, these guys, see guys like Oscar Sheway and Andrew Timmy, who had eligibility left, um, go into the draft and not get drafted, that's, that's disheartening because it could really help the college game if guys like that came back. Obviously, it's a risk. You don't know. You could get hurt um, or you, you could get drafted if you go into the draft. It's a risk, but... Um, it'd have been nice to see some of those guys stay in college and, and help the college game. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting just, like you said, Rod, the, the guys who didn't get drafted, but also, I mean, the, you know, Miller going to was from Bama, number one guy, played in, in professional league in France. And then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but Scoot and the Twins were all from the amateur-ish pro leagues. I mean, it's something that we've heard talk about a lot is that the G League and those affiliates are really going to start eating into the talent of college basketball. 
Sherelle, start with you. Do you think that that is something we're, we're finally seeing the fruition of that come into play? To some degree. I mean, the fact that it happened at least once where, you know, five, like you said, was it four of the top five guys didn't mm-hmm. play college basketball, I think shows you that, yeah, something's happening. But I think a lot of it's going to vary uh, depending on class. When you look at the next kind of great class, which is pegged to be the class of 2025, uh, I think three of the four of those top five guys already said, already said they're going to college. Hmm. Um, obviously, a lot can change in a couple of years, but I think it just varies by situation and by class. Um, Scoot's deal was unprecedented at the time. I don't yeah. think we've seen one quite like his since. Sean, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but So I, I think it varies. I don't think this is like going to be every single year, um, but it, it's definitely here to stay. I mean, I, I think the one other thing for me, <clears throat> since it's a UNC related, uh, Gigi Jackson obviously could be uh, potentially stepping on to Carolina's campus right now. Um, and instead, yeah. he, you know, he was a, a very late second round pick, I think, after having uh, or being told he would most likely be a, a lottery pick, which mm-hmm. is, is really three million dollars coming out of school guaranteed in the in the first year. Um, and. I'm looking right now, you know, 3.4 for, for the 15th pick, which, which is a, a very nice sum of money. And, and who knows what would happen if he had stayed, uh, you know, maybe his game gets exposed or things happen, but I, I think whether it's him or, or others, you know, you really have to look, look a little harder at, at what people are saying and what their motives are around you. Uh, Cause I think this one definitely, at least financially has not worked out yet, but who's to say he won't, you know, go on and play really well and, and get a bigger second contract. But uh, yeah. obviously right now, a lot different than what uh, he was hoping for this time last year. So one, one, I guess, final question to wrap up the, the draft talk is, is an interesting thing. It's not a good stat for, for Carolina fans, but I forgot what the, what the exact year breakdown was, but it used to be that Carolina had almost like it was double digit more first round draft picks than Duke. And then now over the last, I think it's 10 years, Duke has closed the gap and now I think has one or two more. A lot, you hear a lot of like the fans talk about is kids obviously want to go to the league and Carolina does have a huge NBA pedigree. But here of late, they really haven't had those lottery guys. Talk about if you guys think that's something, is, is that a correct observation to make first off? And number two, looking at the kids that Carolina does have committed over the next maybe two to three years, is there anyone that you guys think could be a lottery player from Carolina? Sean, start with you for that. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think you saw Duke early on go go straight and being very successful at the one-and-done model, which did uh, you know realize a title in 2015, but a lot of probably seasons that didn't live up to the hype. Um Versus UNC, which has had a few one and dones from Kobe and Cole and, and Nas, but never really gained a big a big footing. I think we've seen in college, outside of probably that year, the teams that are winning are the teams that have a lot of veteran veteran talent, which is what UNC has put together over the last few years. Um, so I think it's you always want to you know be talking about the number one pick or the top top picks from Carolina, but at the same time to build a a championship team, you really need guys that are staying more than one year for the most part. And maybe you're mixing in one or two um, one and done guys. So 
it's a hard balance to carry. I think everybody would love to see more UNC players in the pros, just given, you know, in the nineties and early two thousands, UNC was the school that was producing the top pros. It, it felt like, uh, I, I think with, with Hubert's recruiting, you know, right now in the 2025 class, he is below everybody being offered as a top 10 guy. So I think you will start to see, you have Ian Jackson, you know, potentially Drake Powell, two top 10 guys right now um, that could, if they, if their games continue on that upward trajectory uh, could fit in there. Plus Elliot Cadeau in terms of what he can, what he can bring. So UNC has kind of changed it to where they are getting the high five-star guys, but in terms of, you know, how does this continue to ebb and flow um, from on, on the court versus the NBA draft perspective will be, will be interesting to follow as we go. Shrill, what about you, man? What do you think? I mean, I, I don't mean to be frank, but Duke has just recruited better than Carolina for the better part of a decade. I mean, really dating back to 2010. You know, we go back, well, mm-hmm. I guess the class of 2010, but Harrison Barnes's commitment, you know, post then, North Carolina's done fine on the recruiting trail, but Duke has been better than anyone consistently now, for, like I said, for more than a decade. Uh, so I think it's just when you have <laughs> – more five stars that you sign, the likelihood that those guys are going to get drafted higher and those guys are going to become whatever they become in the NBA. You don't um, say. Just have, you just have more <laughs> chance. Yeah, you just have more chances. So um, it, it's about, I guess, like, what do you want as a program? It, it's very difficult to have mm-hmm. both. And I think that's been proven over the last, you know, 30 years, really. I think off the top of my head, like freshman point guards, for example, I think Mike Bibby, Jer- Jerry McNamara, whoever the point guard was for Kentucky in 2012, Tyus Jones, and then maybe like Jalen Brunson or somebody are the only freshman point guards to, to win a title. It's been mm-hmm. like five or six. Um, so that kind of tells you that if you're, you know, have young players and trying to mesh that all together, no matter how talented, I mean, think about the three talents that Duke had in 2018 with Reddish and Zion and RJ Barrett. It's just hard to win titles. I'm, I'm not, dismissing them it's just, it's just hard especially when you're a young team and you're relying completely on freshmen so is it that you want to have the best recruiting class is it that you want to have guys in, in the green room every year or is it that you want to win championships and I think not to look too far down the road but that's why this particular version of Duke this upcoming season is a little scarier than the ones that have been in the past because they have that experience coming back um Experience yeah. and talent is, is what wins. And the I think that's been borne out over the years that the teams that have both, you know, win in, win in March and April. And then the second half of the question, Sherelle, is looking at the Carolina guys that they have coming in, say, over the next two or three classes, are there any guys on there that just – and I, we've talked about, I know before, but if you had to put, like, a, a, a nice little wager down on – what are the recruits you think maybe some lottery guys? Um, give us a, a quick, just couple names. I mean, I'm guessing Cadeau, maybe Powell. What do you think? Yeah, it's difficult because you you start thinking about measurables as well. Mm-hmm. I think Cadeau probably is the best of them all right now as far as being a, a, a basketball player, a product at the moment. But he unfortunately doesn't have the measurables of some of the other guys. And I think you look at Drake Powell, he has kind of, everything that the NBA wants in a small forward and, and even a guy who maybe could play some small ball for um, you talk about three and D and being able to handle and, and aggressive and all those things. Uh, so 
I honestly would probably lean him a little bit, even more than Ian Jackson, just because of the measurables and the athleticism and the reach and the length and, and all that good stuff. Now, this is probably going to, this could look ridiculous in two and a half years <laughs> when Ian Jackson goes number five overall or whatever. But um, I, because of how the NBA drafts, I think that's, that's really important. And, and Powell has those measurables. Look, no one's, uh, no one ever listens to us, Sherelle. It's okay. You can make all the predictions you want. <laughs> no one's keeping tabs. No one's going to go back and, and listen. Um, all right. Well, good deal, guys. So any final thoughts, NBA? I know I only said five minutes. It's been 15, actually. Um, either of you guys have any other UNC tangential topics to, to talk about, or you want to move on to the recruiting? On to the recruiting. All right. Well, let's do it then. So there was the, um, I think it was the Rise Complex down in Bermuda Run, where there were a coach sightings, a couple other guys also, and I apologize, I'm, I'm checking on the boards real quick. Let's just, um, you know, I'll open it up. Sherelle, there there were a couple events going on here that looks like some UNC coaches may have been at for the full scoop. Everyone can check the UNC basketball premium boards. But for the podcast listeners, watchers on YouTube, give us a, just a quick little, I guess, rundown, Rel, of what the recruiting news was from, from this weekend. What can you share with us, man? So, yeah, this is the second um, of two scholastic evaluation periods in June. Um, so these are about four years old. The NCAA added these to kind of help remove some of the negative influences. For podcast listeners, I put influences in quotations um, that uh, the players interact with. And so the thought was that if they play with their high schools, then maybe things will be a little cleaner. Um, so schools, uh, high schools are allowed to play in, in these tournaments each weekend. And a lot of times they're by state. So... Uh, in North Carolina, a big one was in Bermuda Run, where a bunch of the uh, top high schools in the state got together and, and played. Um, a couple of them, obviously, um, Northwood with Strick Powell was there. Um, uh, North Mech with Isaiah Evans was there. Uh, Myers Park with uh, Sadiq White, Bishop Boswell, uh, Sir Mohammed, and others were there. Um, so there's a, a pretty lot of high major talent in, in attendance. Um, there's some younger guys in 2026 and in 2025 are there too. Um, but for the UNC staff, uh, there was a lot of focus, I would say, on Sadiq White, who is a 2025, uh, I'll call him forward, combo forward uh, from Myers Park High School in Charlotte. Uh, he's kind of garnering more attention from UNC over the last five or six months. And Hebert Davis got his first uh, glimpse of him watching him in person eval. <clears throat> excuse me, on Saturday. Jeff Lebo is the lead assistant. Uh, so that's something that we're, we're looking at closely because it kind of fits in with the old school recruiting philosophy of, of Roy Williams, where an assistant makes contact, an assistant talks to, talks to the player and the high school coach for a while, then an assistant watches, um, then another assistant watches, Sean May watched him on Friday, then another assistant watches, Brad Frederick watched him on Saturday, or excuse me, on uh, Saturday morning. And then Lebo and uh, Davis watched them on Saturday as well. So all four bench coaches have watched them. I'm sure the rest of the staff has seen his film. Um, and he had a big weekend too. So kind of hmm. wondering what the next steps are because it, it's checked all the boxes of um, wanting to see him, wanting to see him playing well, and the entire staff watching him too. Okay, interesting. Sadiq White, a name to remember. Sean, what um, have you seen Sadiq play or do you have any, um, have any thoughts on, on his game at this point, man? Well, only only on video, but I think right now he's he's a top top twenty five prospect. And in terms of the players that have been offered, 
you know, really all the top top ten guys. Um, you know, from Darren Peterson and and others, especially at that shooting guard and, and small forward spot. So, you know, I think they did a fantastic job identifying the positions they wanted for 2024 early. Uh, even though, for instance, the first guy they offered, Darren Stevenson, there's a big lag between when he was offered and then uh, when the second and third scholarship offers came. But uh, once those started arriving, you know, they identified and they were able to close guys pretty, pretty quickly uh, going through last summer. And I think that has helped them help set them up for 2025. So really, as you're going through the July recruiting period, it's almost babysitting the 2024 guys. Maybe there's one other need out there or, or one other, um, you know, maybe one to two guys are still looking at knowing how, um, you know, up and down everything can go from a decision-making process. But for the most part, they get a head start on, on 2025. Um, I saw Sherelle and, and Ben's note that uh, Sean May was out on the West Coast watching Coa Pete uh, today in Arizona. So it just gives them a little bit of opportunity to watch some of these top 10 guys that they have offers out to, uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time monitoring uh, right now, the rankings are going to change drastically in terms of the, where people are going. So who's going up, who's, you know, especially in the area, who's making a big jump, et cetera. And they'll be able to react pretty quickly. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to jump into, I think, um, if if you notice me and Sean and I think others on the staff have, have had some um, cynicism towards some of these 2025 offers and kind of wondering, okay, we're just going on the list and offering everyone who's who's good or top 10 or top 12 or whatever. What I will say is that maybe we as a staff, IC staff also need to kind of recalibrate because when they offered Ian Jackson last summer and Elliot Cadeau last summer, I was like, especially with Cadeau, um, it just didn't just didn't seem like something that would happen for Carolina. Um, and here we are a year later and they got both of those guys and there wasn't yeah. a ton of um, known background information about UNC being in the recruitments or UNC being viable for them. They weren't mentioned really at all. Um, so I'm trying to do a better job myself of not ha- being a cynic when it comes to some of these players they're offering. Now the Boozer twins. Yeah. I will remain <laughs> a cynic on that one. Um, but the rest of the guys, you know, we just kind of have to wait and see. Uh, who visits, um, you know, who they keep in contact with, who they watch the most, uh, excuse me, during the live uh, periods in July and just kind of track this into the fall because, you know, there's a chance. Hubert Davis has shown that um, they can get national recruits who are top 10 to commit to him and UNC despite, you know, kind of the up and down nature of the last two seasons. Yeah. Well, one of the other names that I'm looking here on on the scoop was – Jackson Keith and I admit I don't know that much about Keith's game this is a, another UNC uh, another Tar Heel State target um, out of South of South Durham Southern Durham and what about I guess where does he fit into the, the rankings do you think Sherelle so still I think they're still figuring it out with him um, he doesn't have an offer yet but he's been on campus uh, seemed to enjoy it and he's definitely, I would say, ascending an ascending player. He plays for uh, Team Loaded on the Adidas circuit, so hopefully we'll be able to see him a, a little bit um, next week. Uh, but yeah, he's he's that kind of two guard. Maybe can play some three, but I, I would consider him like a true two guard. And right now they ha- do have an offer out to 
Isaiah Harwell, uh, an Idaho native. You don't hear that often. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who uh, they offered last September. So he was the first offer in 2025. So it seems like another situation where they're going to give Harwell a little time. And if he's not ready to make a decision, then they'll keep recruiting him, but to start to offer other players. And I think um, in addition to uh, Peterson and Harwell, I think that uh, Justin Keith is right there. Uh, Sean, what about about you? Have you seen much of basically the the same question I asked you about Sadiq White? Um, Anything on Jackson Keith's game? Is he is he someone that's popped up on, on your radar? I mean, yeah, ta- you, you kind of seen his name a lot. Uh, I think he was on from the so- uh, Max Prep sophomore All-American team. You know, he was on that that general listing. So, you know, he had a good season. You saw him visiting UNC, talented. Yeah, I agree with Sherelle in terms of, uh, you know, shooting guard, two guard, um, and ability to, to score the basketball. So I think for him right now, you know, he's ranked in the close to the, the 40s, but will be interesting to track his progress on that Adidas circuit, which – doesn't get as much publicity, uh, obviously, as as the Nike Nike ones, but all, all it takes is a little bit of time in July, and you can go ascending up the rankings. And even, you know, flashing back to last last July, uh, in terms of, you know, the question was, will Drake Powell get an offer? Who are they looking at for the wing spot? Uh, Drake Powell got to see him in Kansas City, was good but fairly passive, uh, but you could see a lot of the intangibles, and then. You know, look where he is now. Top top ten prospect. Completely different outlook on on where he's at. So, mm-hmm. I think this just goes to the coaching staff and who they're identifying from a talent perspective, as well as uh, really a projection standpoint, because they've been going after and they've been winning battles with the top guys. Uh, but at the same time, you need to, um, you know, what we were talking about earlier from an NBA one and done perspective. Would you rather have had Vernon Carey or Armando Baycott? Um, I think everybody would agree Armando just given the differences, but at the same time, when you are going after those top 10, top 20 guys, you might have them committed, but until they're on campus, you never, you never really know if that's where they're going to, they're going to land. So mm-hmm. once again, I think talent identification, whether it's a prospect from North Carolina or the surrounding States or somebody in that New York, Northeast, Northeast area, um, talent identification and, and locking in that, that, that'll be everything that determines how UNC is going to do under under Hubert Davis, you know, these next few years. One last back. jump, in, one, one last jump in, John. Just ahead, to close the close the note on Sadiq White. Uh, so obviously EYBL um, starts not this coming week, but the week of July fourth. I think the first day is actually July fourth that the tournament starts. Uh, same thing with Adidas. But uh, Jaron Stevenson obviously committed to Alabama is reclassing, so mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be playing at the Peace Jam. He plays for Team <laughs> United Seventeens on the Nike EYBL circuit. Sadiq White plays on Team United 16s. There seems to be a big hole at the combo forward spot. So maybe we could see White um, move up to 17s at Peace Jam, which would be a real big hmm. test for him to play against, you know, stronger, faster, more athletic, uh, older guys. Interesting. Uh, before we take our quick commercial break, um, Sean, any any thoughts on that, on, on him potentially playing up? I mean, I think it, it offers a great opportunity to play up. You're going against the top athletes. He, a lot of a lot of guys will stay on the U16 circuit, which is completely fine. But, you know, you're, you're always challenged. At, I mean, the U17, you can't get any better than that, especially at, at Peach Jam. So it'll be interesting to to track, you know, track how everything goes. Well, Inside Carolina will have 
wall to floor, wall to ceiling, whatever phrase you want to use coverage of the Peach Jam, as always. That's going to be, sounds like it's going to be a pretty interesting Peach Jam this year. Um, we'll go ahead, though, and take a quick commercial break. This is where I get to plug our amazing sponsor, Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Remember that as Inside Carolina premium subscribers, you do get 10% off of your offer. Father's Day has come and went, but hey, it is pretty dang hot outside. I don't know if anyone in North Carolina has noticed, but uh, the heat and humidity are back. But hey, it's also a great time for grilling. Giant T-Shirt has you covered for everything that you could need for the grill, for the family, uh, for the summertime. Make sure that you go and check them out. Uh, this is probably also the time of year where you may even find some closeout stuff. I know they usually tried to do some summer sales, uh, so definitely check them out and get that 10% off. Remember, from being an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. Uh, for the podcast listeners, we are going to go ahead and just take a quick break as well for some national ads. And when we get back, going to uh, just continue talking some recruiting, but I have a question for both Sean and Sherelle about UNC's national appeal at this point. So, uh, stay tuned for that. We'll be right back in a second. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, and we are back with the Inside Carolina Coast to Post, Coast to Coast podcast. John Siegley here with Sean Moran and Cheryl McMillan standing in for Joey Powell for today's episode. So, in the first half of the podcast, guys, um, Cheryl, you mentioned about the staff really offering the top guys and maybe even having to internally for Inside Carolina, like kind of recalibrate. All right, you know, the, the staff are they just offering just to offer kind of these guys and the Boozer twins aside, because, yeah, I agree with you there, man. But, you know, we have seen them, especially this last recruiting class, really pull in some big names. So as we really start to hit the summer recruiting stride, the UNC brand and Hubert Davis and his staff, give us like an assessment of where you think they are at this point, especially when you're looking at the list of, of offered prospects. I mean, frankly, and this is, they're still one of the top brands in college basketball. I think uh, the fan base and our listeners and readers are going to be upset with what I'm about to say, but they're not the top brand in college basketball anymore. And that's not a negative. It's just kind of reality when it comes to uh, recruiting and, and what some of these high schoolers think and where they want to play and all that good stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of what it is. And I, I hate to be so blunt, but um, that's, that's where things are now. One thing I will say is that it's not as bad as maybe some of the folks think, because in our kind of insular inside Carolina like culture, it's kind of like, man, they're having trouble signing people and, and what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. 
But if you talk to national writers and, and other uh, reporters nationally and players and coaches, uh, if we say like, man, what's, what's going on there? Would your guy be interested in UNC? They're like, it's Carolina. You know, that's kind of the answer we always get. Like, how could my guy not be interested in Carolina? How could he not want not want to take a visit to Carolina? So um, I think the brand is strong. It's just not, you know, the number one top tier brand like it was for so long. That's not to say it can't be back there. It, it's still probably three or four, um, all things considered. Uh, but that's just kind of where things stand now. And I think Hubert Davis, uh, the run uh, two years ago, or I guess a year ago, did a lot to help with that. Now they took a few steps back with the way the season ended last year, but um, recruiting guys like Elliot Cadeau, who everyone wanted to play with, helps you know kind of make Carolina cool. And I think Ian Jackson does that to some degree as well. And if you can start stacking those recruiting wins together and then start putting you know, a season here, well, not even a season here, if they can start putting together, you know, a 15 game stretch of, of 13 and two and do that, you know, three or four times over the course of two or three seasons, then it starts to build and then you really get momentum. I feel, still think they, this staff has a ton of potential, um, but this is a really important year coming up. And I do think once you start looking at, um, if, if say they, things didn't go the way they wanted next year, then you're, you're kind of looking at five straight years of, of kind of mediocre play outside of a 21 game stretch at the end, <clears throat> at the end of 2021, you know, when you get to four or five years of that in a row, then that can start to erode the brand to some degree. But I don't think there's been a ton of brand erosion at, at, at this point. Go ahead, Sean, jump in. Um, not much to add. I, I agree with Sherelle. I mean, I think, uh, this time last year, UNC definitely had a swagger they hadn't had on the recruiting trail in terms of Hubert Davis coming off making the championship, kind of having the brand back in the spotlight. Uh, obviously, having the brand in the spotlight almost in, in a lot of negative uh, sense throughout the whole college basketball season, I think brought that back down. But you have Elliot Cadeau, who's going to be playing there this year. So I think if he can do his thing, you know, combine with RJ and Armando, two very well-known faces in college basketball, and then able to you know still keep Ian Jackson and Drake Powell getting ready for next year that's a lot to build on and and to have that brand up in that top top tier uh, but once again I think a lot a lot needs to happen over the, over this year and, and next year to make sure that that stays up there well then you have to have personalities too I would say you have to have people who are engaging who, who want to be out front and you definitely have that with Armando Bacot um, Elliot Cadeau's kind of play, I think, does it for him. And then you look at the 2024 class. I think Drake Powell and Ian Jackson's play does it for them. But then you have James Brown, um, who's, a, who's a guy that I think media and fans will gravitate towards pretty instantly. So if you have a good mix of that, that, that helps with the brand too. Completely agree with everything you guys said. That's why y'all are the experts. And like I said at the beginning, you guys can do the, he the heavy lifting. Um, jumping back then to the recruiting trail itself from the last, uh, I don't think there's been a coast to coast now for a couple weeks over that, that, that time period. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about that's happened since the last time that we had a podcast, Sean, anything that, that you've been waiting on any thoughts on the recruiting trail? No, I mean, I think we keep seeing uh, the question on the, the transfer portal with, with three scholarships. Are they looking at anyone else? I'll have to rely on Sherelle for that. I I haven't heard anything. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they were, if they were not. But um, I know that's a question that 
lot of people have right now. I think, you know, they have a very talented team in terms of grades. I give it a BB plus in terms of who they lost, who they brought in. Um, you know, I, I think it, once again, if they had that athletic slasher, that, that would have been great, but I think they've been able to, to retool the team, you know, pretty, pretty quickly. And once again, you want to have enough talent, but maybe not too much. Um, so it's a, you know, it, it's a tough, tough uh, balancing act to, to have. Cheryl, anything that, that you've been waiting to get off your chest uh, over the last time that, that there was a pod? No, like Sean said, uh, that's kind of the big question. And I, I can say that uh, they're not going to add someone just to add someone, just to say, yeah. okay, there's 12 players on scholarship. Like the player has to be able to help in some capacity, whether, whether it's just in practice or whether it's as a, a backup or providing you know, just some additional depth. Um, but at this point, I, I don't think they've really found someone. I know they have the looks, but I don't think they found someone who kind of matches exactly what they want, who didn't have some kind of other thing they're dealing with. So, um, you know, it, it could be, I, I think it's a situation where they probably will uh, leave the summer with 10 guys on scholarship. Hmm. Now, okay. you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, you know, Mike Copeland back in the day was a depth signing. Yeah, I think that was... It was like August. I think he signed like August 5th or something and classes started August 25th mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, so those kind of things can happen. But materially, like functionally, this this is the team. Um, anyone mm -hmm. else added is not going to be unless like, you know, the greatest wing of all time enters the transfer portal as a you know grad transfer in the next couple of weeks and decides he wants to go to Carolina. This 10 is kind of what, what it's going to be. So... Did you have a quick thought, Sean? Or okay, good deal. Let me ask you this, Rel. Um, just a quick, a quick answer for this one: fifty-fifty chance. Do you think it's greater than fifty or less than fifty that Carolina will add at least one more scholarship player before the summer period ends? Less than fifty. All right. Follow up to that. Then we've seen what's been happening at West Virginia. Um, any of those guys that might be, I mean, what happened there, the guys are jumping in into the, the portal late. It could happen at, at another school. We don't know, but anything from that West Virginia situation that is Carolina monitoring those guys now that they're in the portal, we heard any inkling of that. Yeah. I mean, they look at the portal every day, probably more than once a day, but I, I don't think any of those guys will, were, are the right fit for UNC or, or UNC is the right fit for those guys on both sides. So I, I'd be surprised. But, of course, it's recruiting, so never say never. But uh, I would say very, very, very slim chance. Okay. And and that's kind of what I was figuring because I haven't seen too many reports across the board. But good to, to know. And, uh, Sean, let me ask you this because this is one thing, though, is looking at the team, if you had to say if there was one um, – archetype player who would hit that that if they hit the portal you think carolina should jump all over what type of player would that be at this point standing where we are with this class and the summer i mean i think it goes back to that athletic small forward but at the same time you have cormac ryan you have harrison ingram so you know then you have jalen withers at the four and wojic off the bench so you know i don't think they're going to be trying to recruit over Anybody, all those guys can play a few different positions, but I think it's hard. You know, they've, they've already added so much, um, you know, in, in addition to who's 
returning and who's trying to make the freshman to sophomore year leap. Um, but, but I think, you know, if, if they did have just one additional wing, you know, two, three, three, four, that would be, you know, that, that would be ideal. But at the same time, I think they, they have enough to do what it takes um, to reach their potential. Um, obviously injuries can always affect anything, but you know, you can't, you can't control that. And I, I think they do have a, a pretty, pretty deep team, especially, you know, from a guard perspective. Yeah, I agree with that. Sherelle, anything to add to that? I mean, if, the, if there is like maybe, I don't know, a surprise superstar three, four, do you think that that is what the, the Carolina coaches are potentially targeting at this point? If there is a surprise entry? Um, you know, I think additional help in the post would, would always be welcome. Um, you can never really turn that down because there are so few of those guys who are competent and uh, <clears throat> and can kind of walk and chew gum at the same time. That's always been the joke about <laughs> kind of the bigger guys. So I think there, and then the, the wing as well. I, I think they're pretty set um, at the guard position. You, you you hope and you think that Seth Trimble will kind of take that leap that Sean talked about. That gives you uh, pretty pretty good depth at, at the uh, point guard position. And then between Ryan and uh and Trimble to some degree and Davis you, you know you've got four guards basically and that's I mean you honestly don't need more than, than four guards because I don't think you're going to play more than four um and then uh you've got it you've got two wings I would say Ryan could be kind of the smaller wing Ingram kind of the bigger wing Withers can do a little bit of both and then you've got Baycott with Washington down there so it, I, I do think it's a, a good roster um I know people are kind of freaking out that they aren't you know, haven't used the last three scholarships, but it, I think that's more about practice, people freaking out about practice and then thinking worst term where, you know, somebody springs an ankle or two people spring ankles and then you're down, you know, from nine guys who have functionally played to seven who are really available. Now I get yeah. that situation, but I think ideally, you know, if health is assured, um, which I guess it never is, you know, eight guys is enough and then you need that ninth just in case of an emergency. I don't think coaches really want to play more than eight or nine guys. So um, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think they've done a, a solid job of retooling. Like Sean said, I, I kind of agree with that B grade. Um, I think maybe keeping Wiltshire and adding a wing would have made it an A, but that's kind of where they're at. And they've got a ton of experience and talent and just has to see, we, we have to see kind of what happens on the court as far as chemistry and then how the coaching staff has kind of grown from last year and learned from some of the mistakes they made. And if that all comes together, then yeah, they got a chance. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, let's go ahead and start winding things down with a look over the future. Let's say like uh, two or two weeks to, to a month here. What's coming up on the recruiting trail that Carolina fans should really be focusing on? Um, whoever wants to, to jump in with that, um, I don't know. Let's let's uh, pick Sherelle. Since, since you were just talking, I'm gonna shoot it over to, to Sean. Sean, what, uh, what 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 events are coming up that you have your eye on, and that the Carolina fans should also be really looking forward to? I think this week um, there's a topic right now in the premium NBA MBPA top 100 um, in terms of Powell and James Brown being there. Sherelle uh, put a note, um, so we'll be looking forward to seeing. You know how that is. That was the event used to go to in Charlottesville back when they had it there. But that'll be a good last step in June, and then obviously July. Uh, you know, with the major events, all the coaches back out on the road, and a lot of um, you know work going in from the inside Carolina staff tracking that. I know that's always the fun 
fun period with the live recruiting back on the AU versus the high school. Um, you know, it's kind of where the fun fun is. Yep. Sherelle, what about you, man? What are you, uh, anything aside from that looking forward to, or is that kind of what you're focusing on in the short, in the, uh, short term future here? Yeah, that's, that's the recruiting stuff over the next month. Um, they added a recruiting period in July, um, the second weekend. So I'm curious to see if that is anything of note because I can't imagine a lot of the top guys wanting to play or being willing to play that weekend. So we'll see if maybe, uh, guys on smaller circuits or, or guys not on Adidas and, and uh, EYBL and Under Armour if they get some attention from the UNC staff. And then um, just from a team perspective, you know, they start practice, um, I believe, this week um, as a team. They get a certain mm-hmm. amount of practices each summer. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, so kind of want to see it, what, if anything, kind of leaks out uh, from that stuff. Uh, always wanted to get a, a head start, look forward to, even it's just like those 30, 45 second clips of just guys running around taking shots. Like that kind of gives you your, your little taste of basketball in, in the middle of June, early July. Yep. All right. F- final question for me for the podcast, Sean, what is one name that we have not discussed yet on the podcast that at the event you are going to be following um, either just because you're interested in them or you think that there could be a UNC angle there? Uh. Great question. I mean, I, I think I did throw his name out there, but Darren Peterson is, is a guy that I'm going to be, I'm curious to see is, you know, are they really focused on him or, or was it more, you know, a, a top 10 offer uh, just because he played really well at the U, U17. So that's the name I'll be tracking to see how much are they actually watching him in July. Okay. Interesting. All right. I'll, I'll write that one down. Sherelle, you know, I'm going to ask you now what you got. Uh, well, I'll, I'll defer to the premium readers because there was a note about it uh, from USA Basketball, a, a player that Sean May watched. So we are curious to see, uh, you know, he, he's kind of who I was talking about, who's not on one of those three major circuits, um, mm-hmm. kind of watching him to see if, if Carolina gets more involved, uh, currently playing with the uh, USA uh, under 19 team. And I think he had a good game today from what I've read. So mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, where, where we're at. All right. Good deal. All right, guys, we will go ahead and wrap the podcast there. I want to thank everyone for listening in, especially for everyone that was watching along with us live on YouTube. Do apologize for the late start, but thank you all for being here with that. We will sign off. This is John Siegley for Sean Moran and Trell McMillan, the Inside Carolina crew sponsored by the best company in the world, Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Thank you all very much and have a great night all. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.